0: Welcome to a special Brand Strand episode of the Good Listening To podcast with me, Chris Grimes, the podcast series that brings you The Clearing, where all good questions come to be asked and all good stories come to be told, and where all my guests have two things in common they're all creative individuals and all with an interesting story to tell. And Brand Strand is where I wrap an episode of the podcast with its strong storytelling construct around a particular company or individual to amplify their company or personal brand. Who are you? What's your story? And what do you do? So, yes, welcome to a GLT Brand Strand and. We're recording, please. Excellent. And we're in a very exciting, yet another exciting morning here on the Good Listening To podcast. I'm delighted to bring into the clearing Julian Page, who is the managing director of the Livingston Tanzania Trust. An entity that has an extraordinary imperative um, linked to the African philosophy of Ubuntu, which I'll invite Julian to tell us about shortly. But it's a very philanthropic and... um, altruistic endeavor. And um, I, you know, I'm hugely respectful of the very, very significant and important work that you're doing in that region. I have a resonance with Livingston in that I grew up in Uganda. And I've even been to what I think is called the Peak Memorial, where Stanley found Livingston. He was quite ill at the time, apparently, and said, Dr. Livingston, I presume. But we'll, we'll, we'll let you tell us all the backstory of that. Oh. But please, welcome to the clearing, Julian Page.
1: Thank you, Chris. Very exciting to be here.
0: Wonderful. And how's Mulal? How are you today?
1: Very well, thank you. The sky is as grey as grey can be, um, but uh, happy inside. So that's good.
0: Love that. Happy inside is a lovely thing to say. So first of all, um, I'm going to bring you into a clearing, which we're going to talk about and what that metaphorically means to you. But just to give yourself some context as to just before we talk about the storytelling metaphors, I'm going to unpack for us. uh, What brought you to the clearing of the Livingston Tanzania Trust? What was your what was your journey towards that passion and endeavour?
1: Oh, um, well, I had travelled lots as, uh, as a kid. I went to Africa when I was 18. Uh, for three or four months wandering around um, and have been back numerous times since uh, and just fell in love with the place completely. Um, And then when I was working uh, at the law firm that I worked at as a facilities manager, um, there was a a move to merge two firms together and the the culture was going to change from work hard, play hard to work hard, work hard. And (laughs) that, that, that didn't seem like something I wanted necessarily to be part of. Yes. So it gave me a choice to, to rethink what I wanted to do. And I remember watching um, a video clip a number of years ago on Red Nose Day of a three-year-old street child who was uh, living with her sister on the streets. And the sister was one, and the sister couldn't walk because rats had eaten her feet. Ooh. And I, was, I was so appalled and horrified. You know, I gave 50 quid, which at the time was a lot of money for me. Um, but that, that image never left me and um and then when my brother had kids and they were kind of like the same sort of age i was thinking how on earth would my brother's kids cope in that environment um they just wouldn't you know uh, so i just thought you know what now is the time to to, to go and do something um because uh, yeah the social inequality was just shocking and i had to chat with some friends and they said you can't just go and hug an orphan it doesn't work like that uh, you've got to have some skills you've got to have something to offer So I went back to university and did a master's in international development with sustainable tourism. And then through that, did my uh, dissertation on poverty alleviation through tourism in Tanzania. Um, And then thought, you know what, I'm 39, no one's going to give me a job because I've got no experience in this field whatsoever. Let's just get on and do it. So um, together with a friend of mine, we we got together and we got on with it. And that's kind of how it started. Wonderful, and that just that
0: proactivity, and as you say, it's not just about hugging an orphan or sitting there you know metaphorically on our sofa, just going "Oh and thinking that we're doing something. I know paying money towards charities is really, really important, which is partly what you know i I hope this this episode will help drive us towards as well, but I love your proactivity and and just the the calling that that, that I perceive that you had and and do you think of it as being a calling?
1: Um, no, not at all. I mean, I went to a Quaker school, um, and Quakerism is all about, you know, caring about society, and we all have a role in society to contribute to society in some fashion. And at the time, what I was doing was contributing money every now and again to different charities. Um, but to have the opportunity to actually be a, a valued contributor was, you know, quite an exciting step for me. So perhaps it was very selfish for me. I'd worked 13 years in a basement and suddenly I was going to be working in, uh, in Africa and seeing the sky and people and life. Yes. And um yeah, it's a fantastic choice.
0: And, and that's a lovely segue into the Ubuntu philosophy, uh, the African philosophy that I know the Livingston Tanzania Trust has dear to its heart. Do you want to just tell us a bit about what that philosophy is?
1: That philosophy is based around the, the idea that how can you be happy? When your neighbour isn't. So, if you think of, let's say, the current South Africa today, you know you've got lots of people living in in beautiful homes surrounded by barbed wire, um, and then outside of the barbed wire, lots of people who are, are uh, not happy, not living, are living in poverty or living in really challenging environments. Yes. Um, and so, who's 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 happy in that environment? There's got to be much more equitable distribution of wealth yes i'm not talking communism or anything like that but it is about you know sharing and caring and you know if you've got something that your neighbor needs you know you support your neighbor
0: yes absolutely i just love that philosophy it's really really rich indeed and it's all about you know um, as i understand it you you want to offer help and support until it is no longer needed or required which is such a, a, a lovely endeavor in the communities in which you operate.
1: You well, know, we have a, a kind of view of, of, of charity work in that many charities do brilliant work on education in in a country, in Africa, let's say, um, and they'll do an education program and think that's going to alleviate poverty. Or they'll do a health program and think that will alleviate poverty. And individually, they're all brilliant things. But actually, as a community, you know, poverty is caused by so many things that actually you need to be addressing all of them in the community if you really want to alleviate poverty and that's yes. why we say we'll stay there as long as it takes because we know that there are so many different angles to approach um in order to help people address poverty for themselves
0: and as the story has evolved and and i i hope come full circle have red nose and the charity of that got involved in helping the livingston tanzania trust over time
1: uh no oh. sadly not red nose days is, is a challenge for us because they're very specific on the things that they will sponsor and support, yeah, uh, which are all great things, um, but not necessarily things that that we deal with. So they it's might lit. focus specifically on disabled children in schools. well we, that's that's not such an issue for us.
0: So what is your raison d'etre then? What is the the cause that you're really, I mean, I know it's quite universal. You want to be there and be present whilst all help is required. So what would you say the main thrust of the Livingston Tanzania Trust is in terms of what you want to help?
1: Uh, Our main aim is to help people develop the skills and knowledge so that they can release the potential they have inside themselves to be living a healthy, happy life where all are respected and and uh, and valued so it's about helping people get the knowledge and skills to do things for themselves so self-empowerment
0: so somewhere in there is the allegory of of that story about you know if you teach a man to fish he'll eat for the rest of his life whereas if you just give him a fish you know or or woman they will just eat once so this is about longevity and sustainability
1: yes and we kind of tackle it from um you know you've got to look at the kids of the kids who are the kids of today you know, they've got to get the knowledge and skills in their schools so that they can progress to secondary school, to university, so that you can deal with the future. Yes. But you've still got to deal with the parents of those kids. Yes, you can't just ignore them. They're, they're, they're part of the, the problem, not part yeah. of the problem, part of the story. Yes. Um, in that, If they can't afford to send their, student, their, their children to secondary school or university, then the education is going to stop. So you support them to improve their livelihoods so that they can afford to send their kids yes further education
0: so if I may to your own story within this clearing which we're going to come on to more explicitly in a moment I'm not trying to age you but you did say you went and retrained at 39 when you had a bit of a a, a sort of an awakening of sorts so um, how many years have you now been MD of the Livingston Tanzania Trust
1: um 14 I think it is So, so yeah it's, it's been going a long time now. It's quite shocking.
0: And it is now, it's basically a life quest. You can tell that it's absolutely your, your, your reason for being.
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, um, I, to me, I think I have a fantastic job. I work with brilliant people. I, I, I work in an environment in the charity world where everybody is hugely positive. Um, and that's just great to be working with positive people. Um, and, and I get to go to, to, to Tanzania and work with brilliant people out there. Yes. So yeah, yeah, love it. Wouldn't change it for a world.
0: And in terms of where your heart chimed the most, when you were 18 and sort of travelling around Africa backpacking, did you did you go to the region that you now specialise in?
1: Um, well, I went to Tanzania where I very nearly got mugged. Um, <laughs> but, um, but no, well, we didn't stay there very long, so not really. Right. The reason that we I chose Tanzania was uh, because it, it has always been very stable politically. Um, yeah. And that Julius Nereri, who is the the kind of founding father of Tanzania, is a, a, a fantastic leader. Um, he has created a peaceful environment in that country for 50 odd years now. Yes. Um, and yeah, he's an inspiration. And have you met the man yourself? No, sadly, he passed away. Uh, quite a long time ago, Um, but his legacy (laughs) still lives on, and in fact one of the things we try to do um, is implement some of the things that he failed to achieve, um, because the ideas were so right, but he didn't have the resources at the time to do it, so so that's things like he wanted schools to be self-sufficient, self-reliant, so we now work with schools to help them Establish income generation activities yep. like uh, market gardens, farms, uh, cattle, fish, whatever. Um, and then that money that they generate, the profits from that go back into the school to help maintain the schools. Um,
0: and mentioning fish there, that's the banks of Lake Tanganyika, which coming again full circle is where Livingston and Stanley had that very um, iconic exchange of Dr. Livingston, I presume.
1: Yes, at, at Ujuji. Ujuji. And interestingly, or, or not, as you may, may think, uh, it's 150 years next year ah. um, from that uh, activity. So, um, yeah, we, we, we will try and celebrate that in some fashion. Don't know I, how yet. Well, if I
0: can help in any way with that, it will be my pleasure. And I, I hope you get a doctorate someday so we can greet you there and say, Dr. Page, I presume.
1: <laughs> I <hope so. laughs>
0: and by but the way, you know, he
1: never said that. You know, that's always just a myth.
0: Yes, and we we've been friends, um, by the way, for many years. I know, but I always think of you um, in your charitable works because of um, the 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 cartoon um, Madagascar. I always think of you as being King Julian, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because there you are, King Julian, on the banks of Lake Tanganyika. Fantastic,
1: shaking my booty,
0: shaking. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm not going
1: to do now for <laughs> you.
0: We can do that at the end. It's a podcast. You can dance to your heart's content. It's good. But we are going to use the film version as well. Anyway, thank you for that wonderful description and introduction. I'll come back to um, a a particular question about your charity at the end. Uh, Remembering again, it's the Livingston Tanzania Trust. Um, So, Julian Page, Dr Livingston, I presume here you are. I'm going to bring you to a clearing now. Now, it's a metaphor which is open to your interpretation. For you, Julian Page... And the man that you are, what is a clearing like for you? Where do you go to get clutter-free, inspirational and able to think?
1: I go to Richmond Park, um, which is about 10 miles away from here. Um, there's a pond, um, not the big pen ponds, but some other there's a little small pond that's got a bench by it. Yeah. And very few people go there. And I just go there and I take my book. And then after about half an hour, I get bored of reading my book and I just sit there and contemplate and things arrive and things go and it's and you just ah and if you stay there for about two hours you're getting cold and you kind of go yes the cold is telling me i'm alive so deal with it move on keep thinking um and then when you get a sore bum it's time to get up and go but it's it's a beautiful place for me
0: A great philosophy. When you get a sore bum, it's time to get up and go. We can (laughs) quote you on that, Dr. Julian Page. That's phenomenal. Oh dear, no, please don't. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, if if I may, I'm going to join you at your bench. And I noticed that I I thought when you first said, I take my book, that you were going to be a journaler. But you're actually talking about reading um, a a book of choice. Is that right?
1: Yes, which would probably be um, some escapist trash, an airport read. Uh, What are we currently reading, dear? I am um, reading a Lee Child's Jack Reacher book.
0: I, I read lots of those. Then. <laughs> but There's one <laughs> by my bed over there. I can't see the title. They're really, because...
1: they're really good. They don't challenge you in any way. And it's just a good story to follow through on.
0: <laughs> I love that. And on the words follow through on, we shall now follow through to the next part of the clearing. So if I may join you at your bench uh, next to the lake in Richmond Park, metaphorically, and I brought a tree with me. Can you see any trees from where you're sat anyway? Yeah. Excellent. So this is a metaphorical or even a literal tree, if you like. In fact, recently in coming up with the idea for my logo for the Good Listening To podcast, you know, the best ideas happen outdoors, as Nietzsche said. And I found a tree which I thought, gosh, boom, that is the tree I've been thinking about. So nature is a great inspirational in that regard. Uh, So anyway, we're going to shake your tree to see which storytelling apples fall out. And uh, you were kind enough to agree to prepare a storytelling exercise before... We joined each other in this conversation today and it's called 54321 where you've had five minutes at Julian Page from the Livingston Tanzania Trust to think about four things that have shaped you, three things that inspire you, two things that never fail to grab your attention and then one quirky or unusual fact about you, Gillian Page, uh, that we couldn't possibly know until you tell us. Now, don't panic, Mr Manring. You don't have to do all of that in one big monumental tree shake and then <laughs> thump, and then big heavy apples fall out. You can pick those apples out and chomp into them as you see fit. So where would you like to start on the open road
1: of that exercise? Um, well, I think starting at the beginning um, with the Quaker school that I went to that I talked about earlier. Um And that shaped me because it was a a school that didn't necessarily focus on academia. You were allowed to be yourself. And in fact, they encouraged you to be an individual. So do you remember that scene from um, the Dead Poets Society where Robin Williams is getting them all to walk around the courtyard and they all end up in in pace with each other? Well, that's exactly what the the school I went to encourages you not to do. Ah, okay. So you remember the guy who who, who sat on the wall and said, I, I respectfully decide to not participate. That's exactly what the school was all about. It gave you the space and the choice to be an individual.
0: I love the idea that there's a maverickness to being on the wall, the outsider, the outlier. Um, thinking, do you know what? I'm not going to do what everyone else is doing. And indeed, in your own journey, you definitely found a bit of a T junction where you decided to turn left rather than right in terms of changing your career.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what Quakerism. And I, I'm not a particularly good Quaker, um, but it allows you to be that kind of individual to make those choices. Rather than the Quakers, the t- the Quakers for me are people who very quietly go about bringing about change. And they don't brag about it and they don't uh, boast about it they just quietly get on with it which also makes it very difficult for me trying to run a charity where you're supposed to promote everything um yes. I, I, I struggle with that element because it just feels so wrong and that's there all from is, there
0: that. is there is such a delicious humility in in the value of the man that you're being julian page so i i, I absolutely love how you're you're chiming with that particular value and, and indeed, one of the hopes with me interviewing you is that we can sort of amplify the voice of you and the Livingston Tanzania Trust so that you can get more of what you deserve, which is uh, you know, a wonderful endeavour that you're, you're all about.
1: That's very kind. Thank you.
0: So number one is the Quaker School. And by the way, you, you made me think not just of Dead Poets Society, of that lovely Monty Python thing of
1: we're all individuals. Uh,
0: I'm not. I'm going go to <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go to Tanzania. <laughs> so yes. So what else has shaped you?
1: So what else has shaped me? So as I said earlier, I went off to Africa with some friends of mine when I was 18, and um, and we went, we we did a bit in Egypt and then Kenya, Tanzania, Zambia, the uh, Zimbabwe, um, and there was a discussion about going into South Africa, and this was in 1986, and uh, and I didn't know much about the apartheid situation, um, but we we had that discussion about well we're not going to go into that country. Um, one of, one of my friends is a Zambian and she wouldn't be allowed to stay in the, the same hotel as us and wouldn't be allowed on the same bus as us. And it was kind of like, oh, what, 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 what? That's ridiculous. Um, so coming back from that trip, I kind of like decided to look, look it up and what is all of this and learned so much um, about the anti-apartheid movement and the situation in, in South Africa. And then when I got to Manchester University, Manchester Holly, as it was, um, helped set up the anti-apartheid group there, there were a small group of us, um, and we, we went on our marches and we came down to London and demonstrated and, and we, we spent time sticking stickers on fruit, um, danger contaminated with apartheid, all of that sort of stuff. Yes. Um, and that whole realization of global social inequity you know really hit home with me and, and, and just made me realize that actually the world's you know, not necessarily a very nice place, um, having lived in my lovely bubble yeah um, and uh and the uh, you can either accept it or you can challenge it and i wanted to challenge it because that's not the, imp- the world i wanted to live in so that trip had a lot of you know apart from the fact that i saw beautiful places um had that kind of great learning experience for me
0: that's one of the most um profound Illustrations of how something as an early formative experience in our adulthood, early adulthood, can be absolutely something that shapes us. So the fact that Africa became very much implanted in you as part of your soul chime is, is very, very interesting.
1: It was, I think that for me, there was that whole space. Um, the, the, the people were just so phenomenally friendly uh, and generous of spirit. Um, and yes, they might not have had lots and they might have uh, lived in a very challenging environments, or at least challenging from my perspective, um, but they're still hugely generous. And, and, you know, when you come back to the UK, you know, those things disappear very quickly and you don't find people so often who are of generous character. Um, except now in, in the world that I inhabit, I'm surrounded by them, which is fantastic. So I like that.
0: <laughs> Lovely. And what else has shaped you, Gillian Page? What
1: else has shaped me? I, um, I went to catering college uh, up in Manchester um, and we were taught there to be Jack of all trades, uh, a master of none. So we were taught uh, to be a chef, to be a waiter, to, to be a front of house person, all of these things. Um, so that if needs be, we could pop into the kitchen if the breakfast chef hadn't turned up and do stuff. And, and that's kind of led me into facilities management as a career. Um, and, I, and I found myself in a situation where I'm literally pulling strings to get other people to do things. So I'm not delivering the mail in the, in the law firm. Other people are, but I'm managing them, supporting them to do it. I'm supporting the cleaners, the receptionists, the security, all of those other things. Um, so I found that actually being a, um, a jack of all trades is a, a fantastic thing. And, and something to be cherished. And then when I kind of started this role, um, I found that actually I can continue being jack of all trades because I'm not a master in international development in the slightest. But I have surrounded myself with people who are significantly cleverer than I am. Um, and all I have to do is, is, is make sure that they've got the space to do all of the things they're brilliant at. Um, and so that whole going into the catering world completely shaped me to how i manage things and i I remember working with all sorts of managers in the the hotels and things um and learning from them so much as to how not to manage i can't think of a single good manager i had in a hotel Uh, and so i've taken all of the bits that i thought were rubbish and thrown them out and just worked with all the things i thought were good and that and i try and work with that as much as possible
0: and that leadership philosophy of surround yourself with people who are great and even greater than ourselves in their own specialist ability is a beautiful philosophy. And the fact we've learned monumentally seismic lessons from instances of great leadership, hurrah, but also the toxic ones make us even better leaders because we can throw those out and put them in the bin, as you say.
1: Yes, absolutely. And that that to me was really informative, really
0: great. And you made me, it made me think of a sort of puppet meister there when you talked about pulling strings, you know, the, the, the old style puppets of a, um, it's a word beginning with M that I can't remember now, but it's this idea of a puppet, marionette. That's the word that I couldn't quite come up with. So, so you're an enabler of others and a bit of a marionette of pulling other people's strings to enable them to do what they do best.
1: Hope so, yes. <laughs>
0: and again, there's just, your humility keeps coming through, which is just a, a, a joy to observe. And anything else? I think we're nearly at the end of the What Has Shaped You? This is number four. Well,
1: you? no, the other things that shaped me were that was that, um, that video of those kids and um, thinking of my brother's kids. And, and that was just profoundly shocking to me. Yes. Um, and that's really what then shaped the rest of my direction.
0: Yes, and I, I know your brother well as well and his children that you're talking about and what a cherished
1: uncle I know you are. Well, it's Fletcher's footprint as our, um, our, our logo. Is it? Yeah.
0: I didn't know that.
1: We were, Louis, Louis refused to have his his little foot painted uh, and Fletch was too young to object so we just took it off him sorry
0: it's, Fletch yeah you didn't steal his foot just to be clear you just imprinted it for it for a few moments yes I, I so love that because of course that's beautiful because most people just assume that's a graphic of a foot but the fact it's your nephew's foot boff Fletcher what a cool name as well and I know Fletcher well too uh, the geezer's foot is uh, there on the Livingston Tanzania Trust um, logo. I love that, and that's that's something I didn't know. Thank you very
1: much. So, yeah, so that footprint very much relates to those two girls. It also relates that whole philosophy of when you travel, leave only your footprint um, mentality. Yeah,
0: don't leave your rubbish behind, and all. Yes. You're playing.
1: Yes. Because originally, the Livingston Tanzania Trust was going to be. Um, we, the reason we're called Livingston in the first place was that we were, we were going to follow Livingston's foot uh, for his, his paths, his routes, from the coast to Juji and, and other treks that he went on. And then we were going to follow others like Burton and Speak, um, and, and we were going to support the, the, the villages and, and communities that we went through. Um, but well, we you- found... Sorry,
0: you've uh, you've just reminded me, i I misquoted it. It's the Speak memorial that I visited in Uganda. I called it Peak at the beginning, but it was the Speak. Oh. You're quite right. Sorry, that was
1: That's okay. We we found um we found so many Tanzanians had died on those treks um, that we thought it was completely immoral to carry on with that idea. So we just binned it. But by that um, time we'd already registered ourselves with Livingston.
0: And that's very interesting, the sort of zeitgeist this year particularly with Um, statues of the past, you know, icons of the past being sort of revisited because their story is darker. I mean, even where I live in Bristol, it's, you know, I remember, as everyone knows, it's steeped in the blood of slavery, the foundation stones of same, you know, and and this year, very iconically, of course, the Colston statue was um, in a a wonderful moment of promenade theatre was sort of felled, clanged towards the harbour and plopped in. And um, it was called the Harbouring a Well-known Criminal.
1: Woohoo! Woohoo! Well, Livingston seems to have escaped that on the basis that um, he was very anti-slave trade at the time, Ah. uh, and fought against the slave trade. Um, He also, he was a a, a grumpy Scotsman who really didn't like white people at the end. He was sent out, or he went out to try and convert people, um, but found that actually they didn't need converting, and and he respected them and he respected their lifestyles. and that's why he stayed there. And so when, you know, when he was allegedly lost, he wasn't lost at all. And, and when Stanley turned up to find him, you know, you found him, yes, he was sick, but uh, he was living very happily, thank you very much indeed. Not lost at all. He had actually found himself. He wasn't lost he, at all. He, yes, he had found himself. And so you have uh, Livingstone in Zambia, where there are still statues that stand proudly. Um, yeah. and, and the Zambians haven't got rid of the name Livingstone. For that town, um, because I assume there's still a lot of respect for him. And when I talk to the people in Tanzania about the name, um, you know, they, they, they've never even heard of him, so uh, yeah. they don't have a problem with it. Which is interesting, because we have had that discussion about whether or not uh, we should change the name, um, and so far we, we've not for for all the right
0: reasons, it sounds, and I just love just to revisit that lovely expression of you, you have to get lost in order to find yourself. It's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> so I believe that's shaken the apples of what's shaped you. So now, what the the three things that inspire you?
1: The three things that inspire me. Um, well, I've I've had to think about that. Um, I, I decided that say three people who wouldn't work, but I'm going to group them into into people, um, and I've got on my list Bico, Mandela and and Gandhi Um, as people of phenomenal strength of character who had the courage to to follow through with all of their actions, um, all in different ways. So Gandhi was uh, completely into peace. Mandela was um, tactically, you know, wanted peace, but was denied it. Um, And Biko ignored all of those things and was talking about, actually, you've got to change from within. um, And that the oppression from the white people in South Africa, um, we are allowing them to oppress us. We have to start saying black is beautiful. Um, We've got to stop having these negative connotations about ourselves. And once we have that, then we can go forward and challenge the apartheid state. And it's because that mentality was so much more dangerous than fighting, Um, that's, I suspect, why they killed him. But yeah, so those three are kind of like Um, high up on my list of of people that I, um, who inspire me, keep me going. I just thought that was so articulately put,
0: who and why, I just want to leave that floating there because I think you've you've done a a beautiful job of of the reason for that source of inspiration.
1: Okay, cool. Um, The other thing, other people who inspire me are travellers, people who have that desire, a bit like me, to just keep looking over the horizon and wondering what's there yes. and just keep going, you know, because it's not that the grass is greener, it's that the grass is different. Yes. And that the culture is different, that the life is different. And what can we learn from being in different places, from different people that can enrich us in some way? Um, so I always, you know, when there's travel stories, when there's travel films, you know, you just can't, I just can't not watch them. Uh, I think they're brilliant
0: and, and, and uh, michael palin in that regard for me is an absolute legend uh you know i've, I've so enjoyed there's been a, a a retrospective of his various uh travel brilliance and it's yeah uh, you know, absolutely the idea of just going somewhere with with open fresh eyes yes and he's such a gentleman you. isn't he? he the way is.
1: he does it, and the way he talks to everybody he's so gentle and kind yes um, and yeah. if
0: I'd, just while I may my my uh, just to put a, insert a cheeky little plug here he's very he's very 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 much on my ladder uh, someday uh, he doesn't know I'm coming for him but I'd love to give Michael Palin a good listening to just putting it there <laughs> well, I'll listen <laughs> thanks for coming yes so <clears throat>
1: moving on back to you uh, more back opinion. to me forget yeah, Michael um it's quite funny saying Michael isn't it anyway Sir Michael uh, <laughs> is, oh goodness um the other people who inspire me are my colleagues, um, because, again, they're, they're just brilliant. Every day I talk to them, and every day I learn something learn something from them. Um, and the, the patience and tolerance of me on a day-to-day basis is admirable, because I know that I can be extremely annoying and picky. Um, um, and they tolerate me every day and inspire me every day. So I'm very happy to be working with the team that I have.
0: And my very, very, very best guess, Julian, as to why they tolerate you is because you care so profoundly and so deeply for
1: your common purpose. We all do. Yeah, and that's why we work well together. And that's why we bounce off each other. And that's why um, they tell me I'm wrong. Um, And we change things. And it's very much a kind of flat pyramid, if if you know what I mean. I do. It's a leadership structure. We're all, you know, there are are three of us uh, in the ops team and we discuss nearly everything and we agree nearly everything. And it's and I, very rare that I ever put my foot down and say, no, I want to do this.
0: Beautiful. And, and there is this a lovely notion within healthy teams of, of healthy conflict, um, which which resonates with, you know, I know that there's lots of research about that sort of thing. But there's a there's a, a very a seminal writer called Len Sioni who talks about, um, you know, imagine a, a very old scuzzy, leather football in the sands of the arena of conflict and as a good team you should be able to kick the crap out of it n- not each other for the notion of healthy conflict which I, I really mm. loved as a metaphor but it sounds like you've got a very healthy robust team there with, with...
1: well we, we we for me it's more important that you create the space for everyone to feel confident that even if they say something silly uh, it'll be listened to um and the space for people to know that if they say something like Julian, you're, you're being an idiot, that there's not going to be repercussions down the road for that. Yes, and that's really important because you know we have a healthy respect for each other. Beautiful. Um,
0: and and again, this, there is really lovely, you know, really strident leadership qualities there, but it's so anchored in humility in your case, which I, I, I again I, I'm really enjoying.
1: Um, cool. Thank you. <laughs> I don't want to say to that. <laughs> Just take um, it. But we have the same in Tanzania. When we're out in Tanzania, working with the team out there, um, again, it's you know we all sit around a, an Arthur-style table and have those discussions. Um, and, and they're quite weird in the respect that they often say that when people come in, they don't know who's the boss uh, because everybody is talking and everybody is listening, which I thought was quite nice. I like that idea.
0: And I love the fact it's an Arthurian table. And there is a joke. Obviously, I'm a comedian, so I just have to put this in there. Do you remember the name of the knight that actually constructed the uh, Arthurian table? It was circumference. <laughs> oh, God.
1: Anyway, back, back to you, <laughs> well... dear. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they're, they're the, 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 the three inspirational things that, uh, that, I had to, that I was challenged to think about.
0: And I'm loving the shaking of your tree. And now we're going to go on to two things that never fail to grab your attention.
1: That was really hard because um, I think I've got OCD and everything attracts my attention. <laughs> um, you know, something goes ping and you, oh, what's the ping? Oh, what's that? Oh, you know, so you're constantly there's so many ways to be stimulated nowadays that it's really difficult to, uh, to choose. There's, so, a, there's
0: a dog character in the film Up, I think it is. And this is a visual joke. So if you're listening on the podcast, this is a bit crap. But if you just look at the screen moment, J- Julian, you go,
1: oh, hi. Oh,
0: squirrel. And then you basically offer a squirrel. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. That's me, I think. Um, <laughs> so any new projects or ideas that come along, I'm absolutely, yeah, like, oh, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And then tomorrow it's kind of, oh, was that idea you said? <laughs> Completely gone.
0: So what's your, what's your current squirrel, would you say, that has grabbed your attention?
1: my current squirrel is that we're planning to do a virtual trek to tanzania um, which is basically trying to get 50 people to join us for a 10-week virtual trek and the people can choose their own distance that they want to walk but collectively you add all of them up and we're going to be walking from tooting to tanzania Um, so i'm trying to work out how to do that and that'll be fun
0: i love that so yes we'll do it we'll do a sort of captain's log supplemental I, i call my Supplemental programs a G&T with me, CG, rather than a GLT with me, CG. See what I'm doing there. But we can talk about that project specifically if you like. From tooting to Tanzania sounds like it needs to be a thing.
1: Exactly. Everybody needs to be doing it. It's going to, it's going to start in January. So it's, it's uh, a kick the kilos type activity, uh, which I thought was very corny, but I quite liked it. Um, Lovely alliteration tooting to Tanzania, kick the kilos. And the other one. Oh, I forgot. No, and the other thing is, it's actually because it's January and everyone's a bit depressed, it's all very dark, and probably lockdown scenarios are, are there. You know, everyone needs to get out of the house. Yes, they do. Um, and so having a, a kind of two mile challenge every single day, this could be the thing that motivates people just to get out and get some, some air in their head, because that's really <laughs> important.
0: Lovely. And I'm assuming there might be sponsorship attached to that. So there's some cause yes. at the heart, obviously. So, yes, yes, we'll definitely do a sort of Captain's Log supplemental about that, if you'd allow me
1: to. Oh, no, that'd you. be fantastic. Um, um, so the things that grab my attention, apart from that, obviously, my friends grab my attention. Um, you know, if the phone goes and it's a friend, you you don't ever think, I'll, I'll, not now, because friends are the most important thing. Friends and family, always very important. Um but uh, more intellectually, things that grab my attention are people who want to bring about change. You know, My whole life seems to be about change and, and helping people bring about change and how do other people do it? So when I look at, on my bookshelf, it is all about people who have brought change, be they dictators who have brought change in a horrible way or peaceful people who have brought things in a different way. Uh, it's all about how, how do people do it? And how should we be doing it? And, and, I, and how should we do it in this country? Because it's clearly needed.
0: Yes. And indeed, I know that philosophy is also embedded within the Livingston Tanzania Trust website as well, where you talk about change management, but the word change, change starting with a contagious desire to change. Oh,
1: did we write that? That sounds clever.
0: It's in your website and I really liked Fantastic. it. And thought,
1: Boom. <laughs> so
0: you're all over that. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> so it's, it's also interesting, and I don't know if this... Um, the right thing to tell people, a public thing. But um, one of my great, great, great ancestors of some sort was um, a member of the gunpowder plot. So he was one of the 12 who uh, got hung, quartered and whatever, um, for trying to bring about change. Now obviously we don't condone their, their methods of bringing about change. Yes. Um, but it was quite interesting that, that, to see that family members have been trying to bring about change for hundreds of years. So in a little way, I'm quite proud of that.
0: Yes. In a little way, your DNA is all about change. I love that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So um, fingers crossed we don't resort.
0: Yes. And and rather than a gunpowder plot, you've got a squirrel plot with good ideas of alliteration. Tooting to Tanzania, kill. Did you say kick the kilos? You said, didn't you?
1: Kick the kilos. Well, that's for me, really. But people can kick whatever they want.
0: Lovely. Um, So uh, anything else? Well, we've done that now. So now I I think we step away and it's now um, one quirky or unusual fact about you, uh, King Julian, that we couldn't possibly know until you tell us.
1: That was uh, quite challenging, but um, I wake myself up sometimes in the middle of the night laughing. (laughs) Um, I'm not sure if I've told myself a joke or I've seen something funny. But I start laughing and then I wake myself up and I kind of like that. It's I fun.
0: I kind of like that too. And um, I hope this is a, a, inappropriate. I quite like to be there when you woke up doing it, but I'm not trying to be weird or anything. It's just a very, that's a very quirky, lovely thing. It appeals to my sense of humour. When was the last time that you uh, woke up doing that? Uh,
1: not for a couple of years now, actually.
0: So you must report back and tell us the next time it happens because you probably are due another wake-up call. (laughs) I am
1: definitely due another wake-up call.
0: You can always come come back to the hashtag lolvirus group that I've been running on Facebook. There's quite a few lols there, but you can't read them in your sleep, obviously.
1: No, no. But I do remember once telling myself a joke um, in the car and then bursting out laughing because i would never heard it before. (laughs) (laughs) Can you remember what that joke was? No, but... uh it's more of a long-winded story than i want to tell i think <laughs> yes,
0: it was. there's obviously more programs to be made so yes more programs yeah lovely um wonderful and I, i'm intrigued by the construct of jokes actually which is why i said oh do you know that joke at the moment uh, something that never fails to get my attention is when someone says can I tell you a joke i'm always interested to know whether it's going to be something new or different So we've shaken your tree, you lovely man. And now we're still in the clearing going, you know, milking the the metaphor for all we can. And now we're going to talk about alchemy and gold. Now, when you are at purpose and in flow, and by the way, your alchemy and gold is implicit in what you've been giving so far. But what would you say you are all about when you're at purpose and in flow? What's the alchemy and gold that you know you like to bring?
1: I don't really understand the question.
0: I will reframe it. So when you're in your happy place, doing what you love to do the most, that's what I'm defining as being alchemy and gold. So so what is it you most enjoy bringing to the world?
1: Um, laughter and uh, knowledge. So I remember I often do talks at schools to, uh, to students. Sometimes they can be five years old, sometimes it's A-level students. Um, and I just love being in front of them all and just telling them stories about Tanzania um, and the work we do, and, and seeing people's faces kind of going, oh, OK, now I get that. Um, and, and I did one one with some five-year-olds. And the questions that came back afterwards seemed to just focus on the shoes that the girls in the, in the photos were wearing. Um, and, and did they have clerks? And would they like shoes with flowers on? And, and the next 10 minutes just focused on, would they like shoes with this on? Or would they like shoes on that? And they just, they were so sad that the, the people didn't have shoes. So that to them was the most important thing. And, and can I give my pocket money so that people can buy shoes? And it kind of just melts your heart that at that age, people want to support people, um, have a better life. And Science. so poignant that the the
0: logo is about the footprint. Your own first encounter with the need to do what you're doing was the idea of feet, and and the rather darker story of, of rats having eaten feet. You know, and and now you're in a school sharing laughter and, and and knowledge, and they're 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 just lovely and fixating on the feet. So there's something really iconic about the footprint of of you and the Livingstone. Yeah, tantaline. I have not really Trust. put that together. it's my job to make connections we're here all week so i I love that and and also just the the sheer joy and it's humanity that binds us all which is something i'm really struck with in talking to you so this is really really enjoyable and stimulating for me too so thank you it's a real real pleasure and and a gift that you're bringing which by the way your gift is what alchemy and gold is in how i am framing it in this construct So I love that. So just to to recap for you, it's laughter and knowledge, which, you know, that's one of the best answers to this question. You're episode 28 of my podcast, and I I have to say that's one of my very, very favourite answers to that. Okay, so we've shaken your tree. We've talked about alchemy and gold. And now, finally, I'm going to award you with a cake, Mr. Julian Page. And you're going to be invited nom 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 and, and you, you, as you're a caterer and a chef you can have made it yourself do you prefer to make your own cakes or do you prefer being given cakes
1: uh given cakes please i'll yes. give you the address later lovely and uh, <laughs>
0: any particular flavor dear that you like uh, no all of them no. no except fruit cakes oh yeah don't but yeah dundee Fruitcake. I'm not dis- dissing. Anyway, so I don't want to tangent myself. So the metaphor is that I, you're now going to put a cherry on the cake, is my, my final invitation to you, which is again open to interpretation as a metaphor. The cherry on the cake could be the best piece of advice you've ever been given. It could be a favourite inspirational quote. It could be something that someone said to you once that you've never forgotten. Or it could be advice that you may give in counselling a younger version of yourself. Um, so it's an opportunity for you to impart a bit of wisdom as a legacy to this conversation. So h- how would you like to interpret the cake and the cherry?
1: Um, I would like to interpret the cake and the cherry as two separate things. So um, my first piece of advice that I just think is brilliant uh, is is that, that beautiful phrase, be the change you want to see in the world. So that's something that, you know, I strive for every day and I, fail every day but keep struggling oh you've I just think.
0: sorry you've um, just froze momentary- really you just froze momentarily um, you just froze momentarily
1: and then sorry. the piece of advice sorry
0: you just froze oh. momentarily just at the very end of that
1: and so it be the change you want to see yes and is that a gandhi is, quote it is a gandhi quote Yep, um and it's really difficult to achieve you know we all want to be perfect recyclers we all want to be perfect non-amazon buyers all of that sort of stuff but actually it's really difficult um but we've got to put the effort in and every day i think yes i must try and try and try so that keeps me going that's that's my word of advice to people is try and be that um but the advice to my younger self would most definitely be don't drink that two liter bottle of cider
0: (laughs) (laughs) is that just one dark episode where that was just a big mistake
1: Actually, there were several, but uh, hopefully that advice would carry on.
0: <laughs> and do you still like cider to this day or has it put you can't off it? can't stand it. Because can't of stand that?
1: It at all. Yeah, because <laughs> of that. That martini. Can't do it anymore. I'm sorry.
0: For, for a long while, I couldn't do gin because the first time I ever got off my chonk at Hadley Castle near South End was drinking uh, neat gin for reasons I still don't understand. But, so not good. And, I, I you know, luckily, I, I never went down that slippery slope again. Um, it was just that son of youth of, oh, I could if I wanted to, just exploration, which you obviously had yes. to really wrapped around your flagon of cider. <laughs>
1: um,
0: so yes, beautifully and deftly delivered. I'm going to ask you a very specific question about the charity in a moment, but um, anything else you want to say about anything we've talked about to this point? Uh,
1: no, it's been really um, interesting having to think about these things because I never really do. Um, so thank you for giving me that opportunity.
0: And if we want to find out more about Livingston Tanzania Trust or about you, Julian Page, on the interweb, where can we go?
1: We can go to www.livingstontanzaniatrust.com, And that's that. And we're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. I think we've got nearly everything covered. Beautiful. Half of them do, but, but we've got them covered.
0: Well, you're pulling strings for other people to worry about that shit because you can't be good at everything, obviously, but you're good at many, many things we can see. So we we don't live in a perfect world as we've been exploring and realising and and appreciating. But if you had one sort of wish for the charity in this current period in history, uh, what would it be? Uh,
1: To survive. Uh, the charities all the small charities especially the small international charities are really struggling um i think there's statistics that at least half of them will close within the next 18 months um because all of the funders are focusing on uk COVID, or have stopped donating because there's no dividends coming into their pots so that they can't give any money out so uh, small charities like us are absolutely just struggling to get through we will get through i know we will um but you know it doesn't stop us praying because it's hard for everybody at the moment i know it's hard for everybody everywhere um but for small charities that are doing so much good work uh, across the globe uh, it would be devastating for them to stop because the impact actually is huge so yeah i would want all small charities to survive this terrible time
0: so Thank you so much for gifting us with your presence here on the Good Listening To podcast. You've been listening to Julian Page, MD and trustee of the Livingston Tanzania Trust. Thank you very much indeed. Good night. Thank you you've been listening to the good listening to podcast with me chris grimes if you've enjoyed the program then please do subscribe on all the usual channels there's also a dedicated facebook group for the program too and i'm hosted on buzzsprout If you'd like to connect with me on LinkedIn, then please do, and then on Twitter and Instagram, at thatchrisgrimes. Also, if you'd be interested in having some coaching from me to help you level up your confidence, your personal impact, or your brand, then contact me via email, chris at secondcurve.uk. So until next time, thank you for listening, and goodbye.